Luke chapter 18, when we've been asked to preach and it's been our time to preach the last couple of uh, times, we've been focusing on the power and the parables and I've actually preached a couple of messages with that line but only preached one of those here and um, I, I prayed and sought the Lord if uh, he would allow me to preach the, uh, I've already preached the, I guess, I don't know if it's a series, I guess, but I preached another message out of that thought. I preached it down in Florida in, um, this past weekend, and this past week rather, on last Monday, and uh, also was able to share that at Jeff Mosteller's church, and I thought for sure maybe the Lord would allow me to pull the trigger on that here tonight, but he says no, and so I'm going to mind the Lord. How about that? <laughs> I would like to, I would like to preach it, but it's not for this evening. There's somebody here that needs what I have to share tonight. We're still going to stick with the parables, but the parable we're going to look at is found in the book of Luke chapter 18, the Luke, Luke chapter 18, begin reading in verse nine. As you're turning there, I want to thank the Lord. Uh, I want to publicly thank the Lord for my Sunday school teacher, Tim Buckle. Uh, he won't like this, but I don't care. I'm up here. Uh, we are blessed with great Sunday school teachers. We really are. We really are. If you don't come to Sunday school, you're missing out on a tremendous blessing. Um, it's only uh, 30 minutes after our morning service or give or take. And uh, I promise you, uh, it's worth it to stay and listen to the word of God and how they open the word of God. Tim felt led of the Lord to uh, speak on and teach about faithfulness, God's faithfulness. And he uh, asked uh, three people that don't normally get up in front of folks to share their testimony of God's faithfulness. And my, the Lord showed up today. Boy, he did. We had a full house, had to bring in extra chairs. And that's a great problem to have in it. But I just want to thank him because he, he minded the Lord. And that's what we want to do. We want to be mindful of the Holy Spirit. He, you know, we don't have to be up all the time, uh, but we want to mind and do what God says to do. And what a, what a tremendous blessing that was today. I'm glad to be a part of a church of, uh, let me see if I can say this right, of the whosoever. I'm glad to be a part of the whosoever church. And I'm also glad, and this is a country term, I'm glad to be part of a church of used to coulds. You understand what I mean by that? We were that. We was this. But we're not that anymore. <laughs> We were a sinner, but we aren't anymore. God's brought us through, God's brought all of us through so many things. And where we could be if it had not been for the grace of Almighty God. Luke chapter 18, begin reading in verse 9. Again, we're speaking about the power of the parables. And in this one, we're going to talk about the right kind of prayer. The right kind of prayer. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. That's not a Republican, okay? I know we say that it's publican. We'll get into what that is here in a minute. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me a sinner. 
I tell you, this man, he's talking about the publican. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We know that the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all share a different view. You've heard that from this pulpit many, many times. Matthew referring to Jesus as the son of God, the king of kings, rather, uh, the king of the Jews. Uh, Mark uh, looking at him as a a man full of action. Uh, John looking at him as the son of God. Uh, Luke referring to him as the son of man. And how uh, Luke, the Gentile, being a physician by trade, uh, just recorded things a little bit differently. And one thing you'll notice if you read the book of Luke compared to the other gospel writers is the fact that he kind of centered in on Jesus hanging out with people that other people wouldn't hang out with. The outcasts. Uh, you, you see Luke spending some time uh, looking at Jesus, speaking to women and children. The other gospel writers, you know, they may mention it, but not as much as Luke. I don't know if this was Luke's, you know, heart's desire, maybe being a physician, maybe he had compassion upon those kind of people, but he, he focused that, that Jesus is not only uh, there for those that are the religious crowd, but he's also there for those that may feel like they are the outcast. And remember, remember what I said, Jesus, and I'm glad to be a part of a church that's a whosoever. That's still in the Bible. The, the, the salvation unto, unto God and the salvation by the blood of Christ is not just available to a certain group of people. It's available to anyone who would call on his name. And, and, and if, you, you, if you understand that, you'll get through life a lot easier knowing that uh, there's just not a certain elect group that's going to make it into heaven. Uh, well, actually, there kind of are. There are those that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that's going to make it to heaven. But everyone has the potential and the ability to be saved when they call upon his name. The theme, if you will, of the book of Luke, I believe, is, is just simply grace. Grace. And I read something this week, and, and I thought it just a different way to look at grace. And I wrote it down. It says it's God's excuse to give people what they do not deserve. Grace is God's excuse to give people what they do not deserve. Grace is simply this. God is who he is despite who we are. None of us, I I hear it all the time, I'm not worthy of what God has done for me. Guilty. Our pastor has mentioned it. None of us feel like we're worthy of grace. That's why it's called grace. (laughs) None of us are worthy of it, but he still extends it to us. And and listen, this this is wonderful as well. God chooses to extend grace. You realize he don't have to? He does not have to extend that unmerited favor, but yet he still does. To anybody who would accept it, he extends the gift of grace. Isn't that wonderful tonight to know that he had a choice in the matter and he chose to extend grace. It's his excuse for giving us what we do not deserve. And, and, but, but a lot of people don't know really how to handle grace. 
but, but he tells us in these verses, and, and really it's kind of an overview here, but, but in, and in the book of Luke, he tells us the way we handle grace, the simplest way to do it is we have to remain humble. We have to remain humble. And so Jesus here in verse nine in our text, uh, it tells us the group he is talking to. My father is here tonight, and I've said it numerous times in this pulpit. If you want to study the Bible and you want to understand more about the scripture, you find out who's talking and who they're talking to. And we know because of the words in red in our text, Jesus is talking, but who's he talking to? It says here in verse 9, and he spake this parable unto certain. Certain. It was a group of people that Luke noted as certain. Certain people. And who were these people? It tells us. Which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now notice he didn't say that he was speaking to Pharisees. He said he was speaking to certain. Because in that group also included the ones that were following him. All the disciples, the, I should say the apostles that, that followed him on a daily basis were not exempt from this scripture as well. You'll find many times when they were pharisaical in their view of other people, they looked down on other people. And so he was warning them and telling them and giving them a valuable lesson. And may we always remember what's in the word of God's not only for those that were there in that day, but it's also for us today. That's why he didn't name it a specific group of people. Because if he would just said Pharisee, we would have looked over and said, well, I'm not a Pharisee, so he's not talking to me. But he said certain. That means anybody that was around him, anybody who reads this scripture, he's telling us there's a group of people that trust in themselves and despise others. That's who he's talking to. And so he gives this simple lesson here, this powerful illustration. Two men go to the temple to pray. The one, a Pharisee, and the other, a publican. Now we got to talk about these, this, these two people, this Two men. Number one, notice this Pharisee. This Pharisee simply was a defender of religion. The word Pharisee in the Greek actually means to separate. So he was a separatist. And, and here's, here's, the, here's his attitude. Here's the attitude of the Pharisees. They were too good to be touched or to be associated by anybody else. Now, I know this ain't going to get a lot of shouting right now, but I promise you it's going to get better. You just hang with me. Their, their doctrine is fueled by their religion. They would come to church, but they would look down on the others that were in the house of God. They were arrogant, but they were arrogant in Jesus' name. It's bad enough that some of y'all are arrogant. But it's worse that you say it in Jesus' name. And I don't mean to point fingers. That's why I'm looking up in the, in the ceiling right now. I'm not going to look at any specific people. But I've, I've seen some people that have walked in this church that may not have the same clothes that you wear or may not look the way you look. And you look down your nose at them and you say, well, I don't know if I can associate with them or not. God help us. That's a Pharisee. I'm preaching whether you're shouting or not. I'm preaching. That's a Pharisee. 
When did we ever, when do we ever put limitations or, or put rules on anybody that's welcome in the house of God? God help us. And there's a rumor, it's going around, it's been going around probably since this church started that you have to dress a certain way to come to this church. You gotta dress a certain way and you gotta follow certain rules and standards to get up here in this pulpit and to sing and to preach. But to sit in those pews, you can come in any way you want to. Some of you don't like that, but I don't care. I welcome anybody into the house of God. Regardless of their station, regardless of their gender identity, regardless of their alternative lifestyle, regardless of their race, regardless, some of you don't like this, but I'm preaching right now. Regardless of where they came from, regardless of where they live, regardless of their financial stature, everyone is welcome in the house of God. Amen. You can throw me out if you don't like it. The Pharisees, they were arrogant. And you look down their nose. They, 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 were, they were conceited, egotistical. But we don't have anybody like that in the church today. Hmm. Well, you like that a lot. Let's talk about this publican. This publican is actually a tax collector. It's what his job was. Now think about this. It's bad enough to be a tax collector, but he's a Jew. And he's working for the Romans, taking money from the Jews and giving it to the government. You will talk about somebody hated. You all don't like the IRS. They, they, they take our money to take our taxes. I'm getting political here. But anyway, irregardless, he was a, he was a traitor. To the Jews, he was a traitor. You're taking our money and giving it to our enemies. Just so our enemies can sustain us. That's what's what he did. his job was at. He was working for the Romans. So now we have this exchange between the lawkeeper and the lawbreaker. We have an exchange between a patriot of the religion and a traitor. Look at this. They went to the same church at the same time and prayed to the same God. You know what that shows us? Regardless of if you're rich, if you're poor, regardless of who you are, you need Jesus. That's what Jesus teaches us in this. He said they both came different ends of the spectrum, left or right, right or left, whatever you want to call it, they still had to come to the house of God. And listen, my friend, I don't care some of the most people that everyone needs Jesus. Rich, poor, middle class, it don't matter. We all need to get them to Jesus. Amen. And so we have here that they needed to get to Jesus. And this, uh, this Pharisee, look at what he did in verse 11. This is, I want to get through these two prayers here. Look at the prayer that he prayed. And we got to break this down. We, we read this and just go through it, but we really have to understand. Look, look at what he did. Number one, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Let's stop there. Read that again slowly. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with 
himself. With himself. Do you realize the subject or the object of his prayer was him? That means he thought he was the God he was praying to. Am I reading from the book? He prayed with himself. With himself. He was the God that he was talking to. You know what he was basically saying? God, I'm doing you a favor by showing up here today. Some of you all think I'm doing God a favor by coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Oh, Lord, look at me. Look at what I've done. I've came out here today. Oh, I've came out here to pray. But he was the God that he was, he was praying to. He was praying to himself, with himself. He said, Lord, you better be thankful I'm here today. And here's the first problem. This is the problem that we have with this prayer that he prayed. The problem was simply this. He tore down others to raise himself up. Look at what he did. He said he prayed with himself. And and look, he started pointing out everybody else. He said, I thank thee that I am not as that that one right over there. He's an extortioner. That one right there, he's, he's unjust. That one right there, he's an adulterer. Or even as this man right here, this publican. Look at what they've done, Lord. Look, look, I want to expose what they've done like God didn't know what they, who they were. He pointed out their own sin to lift himself up. So his prayer was simply this. I'm going to tear others down to make myself look better. You know what that means? That those, were, those people were already beneath him if he had to tear them down. Listen, folks, you'll never get anywhere in life. I know this isn't popular preaching, but I promise you it's in the word of God. You'll never get anywhere in life if you spend your time wasting your time by trying to tear others down, by exposing their sin. And may I remind you, it's not what you haven't done, it's what you have done. If it had not been for the grace of God, none of us would be here today. None of us would have a home in heaven. And may I remind you, you were one of those at one time. You were a sinner. The the Bible still says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We try to justify our own guilt and our own sin by tearing down somebody else. And Jesus said, that's a problem. It's a problem. Look at what else he did. Verse 12. So he starts tearing down others. And now he talks about what he does. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now we look at it. So yeah, he's just bragging on what he does. But I want you to notice something. Let's tear it down a little bit farther. Notice he said, I didn't fast. I don't. He said, I didn't say I fast twice a week. Says I fast twice in the week. There's a reason because the word week actually means the day of the week, which was the Sabbath. It's referring to the Sabbath day. I was studying and I found out something very interesting. Jews were prohibited to fast on the Sabbath. They were supposed to eat on the Sabbath. 
Then he says, I give all, the tithes of all that I possess. He wasn't required to give all. He was required to give 10% of his first fruits. You know what he was doing? Not only was he tearing others down, that's the problem. He was tearing others down to lift himself up. He was also exaggerating his own virtue. He wasn't even required to fast on the Sabbath. But he was saying, look at Lord what I've done. Look at what I've, oh, you are blessed to have me on your side. Well, this is, this is really, you're loving this, aren't you? Basically, his prayer was simply this, a salute to himself. But you know what arrogance does? Arrogance always hides emptiness. You know why spiritual people are sometimes arrogant? It's because they're hiding the fact that they're empty on the inside. And instead of coming to God and getting right with him, they would rather tell everybody else down, exalt what they do, exaggerate what they do, and simply lie just to make themselves look good. Now we notice the publican. Total different prayer. Notice what he did. He came with the spirit of humility. He couldn't even, Bubby couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He didn't read a pedigree of what he had done. He didn't list who he was or where he came from. He didn't list his occupation. He didn't say, Lord, I'm a tax collector. Lord, I come from this family. Lord, this is my heritage. The Bible says he beat his chest. And he said, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. Look at the spirit of humility that he had. He realized he wasn't worthy. He wasn't worthy. And we need to realize that we, when we are not worthy, we got to be careful what we say. Notice his words were, were on purpose. Every word he said had a meaning behind it. He thought about it. He thought it in his mind. He didn't just babble off his mind what was on his heart. No, he thought about what he had to say. And when he understood that he was coming in front of a God that was worthy, he felt so unworthy. He knew he was a sinner. And he could have wrote a read off a pedigree of maybe the the virtue that he had but instead he said no Lord you know who I am you know where I come from you know what I do but that doesn't matter all that matters is that I am a sinner and be merciful to me be merciful to me be merciful to me he had respect unto God the publican talked to God as if God was beneath him. But this publican knew and respected and spoke to God the way that he should have been spoken to with respect and humility. It's like my mouth, my mouth is not trained to call my mom by her first name. I can't do it. I I just, I'm not trained that way. And young people, you'd, you'd be better off. I hope you don't call your mom or your dad by their first name. That's not respectful. 
but I'll go one, I mean, this may be kiddish of me, but I'm, you know, I'm a kid at heart anyway. I call them mommy and daddy. And that's what I prefer my kids call me. Do they all the time? No, but that's okay. Alex don't call me Brian, calls me dad, daddy. Same way with my daughter and my wife. And I don't call my wife my old lady either. I'll just throw that in there. Wonder why you got problems at home, gentlemen. That may be one of them. (laughs) She's not just a lady. She's who God gave me. And she's definitely not old. (laughs) Yes, because she's younger than me. So if I'm not old, then she's not old. There's a matter of respect. When you talk to people and you respect them, you choose your words carefully. And this publican chose his words carefully. And he said the right thing. He said, be merciful to me. He said, before I ask anything, I've got to deal with me. He realized that he was a sinner. And sin simply means independence from God. It means missing the mark. Independence from God. Do you know when we realize we need God is the moment we realize that we are without him. When you're going through life and you finally realize, oh, I need God in my life. My friend, that's when the light bulb comes on. You understand that you are totally independent from him. You are a sinner until you pray and ask him to forgive you. This prayer that he prayed, it was the right kind of prayer because it was a prayer. It was the death of self sufficiency the death of self-sufficiency this prayer that he prayed simply meant I cannot the sin that I am carrying I'm giving to you the weight that I'm carrying I'm giving to you and that's the right kind of prayer when we pray Lord this is yours you know who I am I'm not coming to you telling you who I am or where I'm from I'm not reading you a pedigree of all my accomplishments Lord I am just a sinner And before I ask you of anything, I've got to come to you and make sure that I'm clean, but I'm giving everything over to you. You know what happens when you give everything over to him? That's the death of self-sufficiency. That means you are totally dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've given him your all. You've given him everything. And when you finally give him all, you know what? You know what you'll get? What our pastor preached this morning. I love, don't you love how it all comes together? You'll get perfect peace. When you fully realize that it's out of your hands and it's in his hands. The plague of the modern church is simply this. We're not, we're not publicans. We really don't know what sin is anymore. The publican knew what sinners were and he knew what sin was. What's happened to the church? I'll tell you what's happened to the church. We don't call sin what sin is. We don't. And I could go, I could go down A to Z and, and, and read you a list of what we used to call things, which were sin, and now we call them something else. And what we've done is we've weakened the severity of the sin, making it more politically correct. And what we've done as a church, we've lost the consciousness of sin. And when you lose the consciousness of sin, 
then you lose the ability of salvation. Because if you don't know what sin is, and you don't hear about sin, and we don't preach about sin, then you don't know you need a savior. But my friend, I promise you, as long as we are the pastors of this church, we're gonna tell you that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what the word calls sin is still sin today, irregardless of what political parties would tell you, irregardless of what other clubs or other other people out there wanna call it. No, it is still sin. And if you have sin in your heart, if Jesus Christ comes back, my friend, you are not going to heaven. There is a place prepared for you. It wasn't prepared for you initially. It was prepared for Satan and his angels. But if you choose to reject the grace that God extends to you, my friend, the destination where you'll end up is hell. But it's so simple. Remember, sin is independence from God. Salvation is dependence on God. And when you truly come, you don't have to come here. People get it all wrong. You think they have to come here and come to this altar, even in your seats. You think you have to maybe say, Lord, I've done this, I've done that. I've, oh, Lord, I've done this, I've done that. And you start going down this list. You can't remember all that you've done. But you don't have to. You just got to come like this publican. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And look at what happened in verse 14. Jesus said, this one, who's he talking about? The publican, the one that said, I'm a sinner. The one that says, I can't make it without God. He said, he's gonna go home justified. Oh, I love that word. It simply means this, just as if I had never sinned. Can you imagine coming to a place where you can say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and God's saying, yep, I know it, but since you've acknowledged it, and since you've accepted my grace, and now you're dependent on me, you're going home just as if you never committed the first sin. My landlord, that's what grace is all about. Aren't you thankful tonight? There's a wrong way to pray, but there's a right way to pray. Amen. 